Today we are beginning our new sermon series called Give Thanks. We did do this on purpose as we enter the season of Thanksgiving. I, for one, am excited for this shift that we make together as a culture, even though our holidays are going to look different this year, and we may have to grieve that. Just having the joy and the gratitude these months typically bring to us is a welcomed change. I suspect that you feel the same. In this season and in this series, we are going to practice giving thanks even in the midst of every tear, every moment of stress, every worry over the future. This doesn't mean that we're going to gloss over our grief. It means that we are going to look for and be alert to what we have to be grateful for, and we are going to grieve when we need to. Today we begin our series, Giving Thanks for Our Saints, and we turn to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now the aim of the writer of Hebrews was to encourage the readers to endure their sufferings. We see that in chapter 10. These were second generation believers, and according to the writer of the Hebrews, some of them had lapsed in their commitment to Christ. Some of them were not making sufficient progress towards a mature faith. They were not growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. Some readers in this community were imprisoned. Others suffered confiscation of their property. Some were even persecuted and tortured. Many of them endured public abuse and ridicule for their belief in Jesus, especially because they lived in a culture that about the highly valued honor and people that were not Jesus followers saw the cross as a symbol of shame. Many of these readers were weary. They were losing heart because Christ still hadn't come back yet. You have to remember that these original uh, readers are expecting Christ's return quickly. They were eager for Christ to come. They were eager for a change. They were eager for the glory of God's kingdom the promise of no more mourning or crying or pain or death. And so in chapter 11, the writer seeks to offer encouragement by recalling all these heroes from the faith, this long litany of believers who did in fact endure their difficult circumstances by their faith. Now, generally speaking, these believers in chapter 11 shared three characteristics Most of them experienced near-death encounters. Most of them had the ability to see the future and act faithfully in light of the knowledge that Christ gave them. Many of them suffered alienation from the people of their generation. Each of us have litanies of people in our lives who have modeled the faith to us in these kinds of circumstances. Many of those saints are the ones that we are going to remember and celebrate today. Those who faced death with strength and tenacity. Those who knew that the glory of the kingdom of God was coming and chose to live what life they had left with joy and purpose. One of my personal saints is Mary Margaret Willems. We called her Mims. Some of you may have heard me talk about her before. I met Mary Margaret when I moved to Grundy County, just an hour and a half from Nashville, to work for a nonprofit ministry called Mountaintop. 
I worked with Mary Margaret's daughter, Julie, and often after work or on Sundays, we would go to Mary Margaret's to share a meal with her or watch Dancing with the Stars or work on puzzles of which she told me I was terrible at or just sit on her back porch and talk. Mary Margaret and her husband, Bob, had relocated, had moved from Mississippi to support the ministry of Mountaintop full-time. I remember her going on numerous grocery trips for Mountaintop, which was a long process when you lived on the mountain and in a food desert. She had a Christmas luncheon every year where she invited women over for a meal and told us to bring items for a local shelter. She volunteered at her Methodist church on the mountain, and she invited me. I mean, she told me that I was going to come to church with her and sit on the front pew. She always invited people to the, to the table for a meal who didn't have anyone else. Overall, I can say that Mims taught me to give in the way that I would want to receive. In one lesson in particular, she said, You should buy the same items to donate to other people that you buy for yourselves. No leftovers, no knockoffs, no cheap alternatives. A few years into my working at Mountaintop, Mary Margaret had a recurrence of breast cancer. Even while she was sick, driving back and forth from CAT scans and chemo, her service never wavered. She did everything she could do with a smile on her face. She always tried to reassure us by saying that she wasn't hurting. She was just uncomfortable. I have a vivid memory of bounding down the steps in her house one morning as I was on my way to work. I walked into her room and she and her husband Bob were sitting up in bed reading their morning devotional as they did every day. She had a colorful wrap around her head to cover up what used to be hair. She asked me a bunch of questions to make sure she was up on the gossip, and then she sent me on my way. That last year of her life, I invited Mary Margaret to share a piece of her story in a worship service that we had in her backyard. She witnessed to a group of college students about her cancer journey. She told us the story of laying on that cold cat scan table, thinking to herself, why me? She said after that question, she felt surrounded by the peace of God, and the following question came, why not me? She was resilient in her faith. She clung to Jesus, and she reminded us over and over that she was going to be okay because Jesus knew her name. It was the Wednesday after Easter in 2013 when Mary Margaret started to take a turn. The family invited people to call or to send messages so that Bob could read them aloud to her. I knew that Mary Margaret didn't need to hear from me again, but there was something nudging my spirit to speak to her. I stared at the phone for what seemed like an eternity before I finally had the courage to call. I didn't want to interrupt the family, but again, I felt like I was her family, that she had treated me like her family. Bob picked up the phone and held it up to Mary Margaret's ear. She was no longer able to respond with words. So I said as loud as I could, trying to hold back my own tears, I love you, 
You are an example of a fighter. You have taught us to never give up. And just as she had told us over and over, I said to her, Jesus knows your name. Her entire life, up to her moment of death, Mary Margaret fixed her eyes on Jesus and taught us to do the same. That is what the writer of this passage urges us to do, to fix our eyes on Jesus no matter how grim our circumstances may be. Like the original readers of this text, we too are enduring suffering We too are losing heart and growing weary in this unpredictable world. We too are eager for change. We are surrounded by hateful rhetoric. We are surrounded by the heaviness of death. We can feel the complacency and the apathy sinking in. Most of us are facing some form of depression or loneliness. There is a grief among us because we do not know when COVID is going to end. Some days it feels like we are collectively holding our breath. But the writer says, It is precisely in that moment when we have to remember the great cloud of witnesses that surround us and run this earthly race following in their footsteps. It is precisely in that moment when we have to throw off everything that hinders us and distracts us from Jesus and put on our tunnel vision and refocus our lenses and just keep running. If we do this, There will be joy and triumph even in the midst of suffering. The text tells us it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today, we do not gloss over the sting of death. It hurts that our loved ones are not here. But today... We also acknowledge the most pivotal piece of our story, the victory from which our joy can be found. Jesus Christ endured the cross and defeated death, even though it leaves us hollow and numbs our souls. Death is not final. It never wins. It cannot steal your joy forever. And... Every time we draw on the witness of our saints and we put their words and their actions into practice, the grave is defeated again and again. Resurrection happens over and over as we love our children the way they taught us to or give the way they taught us to or invite someone to the table in the way they taught us to. Yes, there will be joy in the place of no more mourning or crying or pain or death. Yes, there will be joy in being reunited with our loved ones. But there is joy and even gratitude today for who they were and who they taught us to be. There is joy in knowing that their spirits will live on for generations because we will not let their lessons die. There is joy in knowing They surround us and uphold us and run beside us and cheer us on. So just as your saints taught you, just as Jesus taught you, do not grow weary. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. 
Mourning always turns to dancing. Sorrow always turns to joy. Darkness always turns to dawn. For the joy Christ endured, for the joy that is coming and is already ours, let us endure and give thanks. Amen.